Good morning. Happy first Lord's Day of the year to you. <clears throat> I'm excited to be uh, sharing the Lord's uh, word with you this morning um, and uh, to be to be sharing this uh, first Lord's Day with you. Uh, I'd like to inform you of some really important news. Uh, the uh, Babylon Bee asked 13 leading evangelical uh, pastors about their New Year's resolutions. And so I want to update you with these so you can craft your own New Year's resolutions after them. Joel Osteen hopes to, this is all uh, a joke, this is not real. Uh, Joel Osteen hopes to deceive twice as many people this coming year. Uh, John MacArthur hopes to kick his root beer addiction. Uh, Andy, no, I'm not going to say that one, that one's bad. Um, <laughs> Uh, Brian McLaren, some of you may know, maybe if you're a millennial, you might know who that is, uh, hopes to read the Bible for the first time ever. Um, John Piper hopes to complete his seashell collection. You really got to be on, uh, in on it for that one. Doug Wilson hopes to make one friend. Uh, and uh, Stephen Furtick hopes to, uh, to grow 24-inch biceps. Beth Moore hopes to release a new, so uh, a new line of sacred uh, feminine moon crystals. And uh, last one, uh, Kenneth Copeland hopes to uh, cast a horde of dragon swine cow demons out of the lavatory in his Gulfstream jet. So um, with that, the obligatory joke uh, is, of the sermon is done. Uh, no, anyway, I'm, I'm sorry for that. So uh, like I said, I, I've gotten to know many of you. My name is Dustin. My wife uh, is Debbie. Uh, my family is here. Uh, we're so thankful. I've got to meet many of you, talk with many of you. We are so thankful that you are our mother church, planting us in Springfield. Uh, your, your session, our session is leading us in that, and we're so thankful. Uh, we can ask that you would continue to pray for us uh, in that endeavor. But um, the, uh, the, the, the goal that we have for this morning is that we would make much of Jesus by looking at his word today. Um, and so uh, I'd like to uh, turn your attention to Psalm 19. Uh, as I read the, the, the scripture, feel free to turn in your Bibles, your phone, uh, Bible, the Bible in the pew in front of you. Um, but I invite you to turn to Psalm 19 as we look to God's word together. David writes, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man, runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and there's nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure enlightening the eyes the fear of the lord is clean enduring forever the rules of the lord are true and righteous altogether 
More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgressions. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let's pray together. Lord, as we have heard now the reading of your word, we ask that you would make both the preaching, the hearing, and the doing of your word. That you would guide us along in this. That you would make much of yourself. That you would make much of your son Jesus, whom we worship, through this preaching, hearing, and doing of your word. So Lord, we ask with David that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, you, you may be a a New Year's resolution type person. I don't want to discourage you from that. Uh, in fact, I would like to encourage you that uh, as you embark on 2024, this first Lord's Day, we're a few days in to 2024, if that's news to you. Um, my, uh, as I write checks, you know, I still make mistakes as I write the year. I still write 2019 sometimes. Um, I'm, I'm pretty behind. But my main goal in, in, in selecting and in, in preaching this text uh, this morning is that you would make Bible reading a priority in 2024. Maybe Bible reading has been a lifelong struggle for you. Uh, my goal today would be to encourage you again to take up and read the scriptures. Maybe Bible reading has been uh, something that has been a, a, a great delight to you uh, for years and you've done so successfully. I would like to come alongside you and encourage you once again to make Bible reading a wonderful uh, priority in your life. And so uh, that's why we, I've selected Psalm 19. Um, Christians for, uh, for centuries, I, I think... Uh, as far back as um, Aquinas uh, and probably uh, earlier, but uh, have, have looked to Psalm 19 to describe uh, two, at least two different ways that God makes himself known to us. And we read in verses 1 to 6 about one type of uh, revelation, one type uh, of, uh, of way that God uses to make himself known, and that's called natural revelation. Or general revelation and I'll, I'll explain that a little bit more in just a moment but then when we see in verses 7 to 11 or you know 7 to 14 we see the other way that God makes himself known and that's through special revelation or the revelation that he makes that he gives to us from his own word and so as we look at verses 1 to 6 we see this natural revelation God makes himself known, his, his very self known through our experience in his world and in particular nature. Uh, he makes himself known, he makes the knowledge of him known, and he gives us general information as well in the world. Like two plus two is four. We learn that 
Uh, I, I don't know that equation in Scripture. May, Aaron, maybe that is in there, uh, and I'll stop drawing attention to you at some point. Um, but we learn about uh, we learn about things in the world that that God has made known. Um, things like languages, uh, relations, the love of someone else. We we learn these things just by being humans in the world. Uh, but one of the one of the things that God does make known in the world is his very his his very person uh, himself um, uh, again david writes the heavens declare the glory of god we learn from our experience in the world uh, i don't know if you remember the last time that you that you were looking up at the sky but were you wowed by it right um, you know, I, I like to look at Psalm 19, especially verses 7 to 14, because it reminds me of the beauty of God's word. I tend to, you know, I get up and I go to work, I drive there, I don't tend to look at the sky and how beautiful it is. My mom uh, and her boyfriend and I were, were talking about the, the beauty of creation, the beauty of the sun this morning. I don't tend to focus on that, but God makes himself known to us, to all the world, in fact, through our experience in nature. Uh, and, and if you look at verses 1 and 2, uh, the, the, David writes about the, almost the preaching of God in, uh, in, in nature. Uh, David writes, The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. God has made himself known copiously in our experience in nature. We learn, we learn certain very important truths very well in nature. Again, when we, when we look to the sky, oftentimes we're wowed by it. We're wowed at the sky's beauty. And we're, we're often moved to say, God, you are great. You are wonderful. But the, the knowledge of God is somewhat limited. What we can learn about God from our experience in nature is limited. I'd like to encourage you to, to turn over to Romans chapter 1 and look at verses 18 to 23 with me. Paul, uh, knowing uh, Psalm 19 well, uh, and explaining, about, explaining how God has made himself known to all people on earth, uh, adds this to our, to our learning. Romans chapter 1, verses 18 and following, Paul writes, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. And this is where Paul is expounding Psalm 19 for us. He says, For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. What can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his, and this is what, this is what we can learn from our experience in nature about God. Verse 20 for his invisible attributes, namely, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. 
when you stand at the Grand Canyon, when you see a beautiful blue sky, I like, I like blue skies with clouds. Some folks like blue skies without. Whatever. You know, whatever your, whatever your blue sky is, maybe it's a storm uh, system or whatever. We were moved to praise to God for his eternal power. Because who could make such a thing? I, I, I would... I would I didn't ask many atheists this in preparation, but I would dare say very few atheists look up at the sky and say, wow, I am so glad that we morphed in, involved into this from goo. You know, like maybe, I don't want to disparage too badly, but I think generally speaking, when we look at the, the history of religion across the world, when we see magnificent things, we're moved to praise our creator. Now, different religions have different understandings about who God is, and we know that the scripture provides us the truth. But, you could, but just the, the, the fact that we can look through all, all religious history, people are moved by the experience of nature to praise God for his divine power. And it's clear that he is the creator. We turn back to our psalm together. God is making clear this, his divine nature, his eternal power. In fact, our Westminster standards uh, give us very important information about the, the scope and the limits of what we can learn about God in uh, chapter 1 of the Westminster Confession of Faith, I'll, I'll read it and I'll kind of translate some of the more difficult language um, into more modern uh, language. Uh, the Westminster Confession, chapter 1, section 1 says, Although the light of nature, right, the, the, the knowledge that we have from nature and the works of creation and providence do so far manifest the goodness, wisdom, and power of God, Right? That's what, that's what the, the Westminster Divines are saying. Creation itself shows us the goodness, wisdom, and power of God. They leave men unexcusable. As Paul, as Paul was saying in Romans chapter 1, I'm still here, um, he says, they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and uh, animals and creeping things. We're left without excuse because they are not sufficient to give that knowledge of God and of His will which is necessary for salvation. So the beauty that we see in creation and the way that we're stirred to praise God for His great power only goes that far and it's actually uh, it's limited such that it doesn't tell us about the way we can be saved I'd, I'd like to to show you something kind of interesting here the, a lot of times what can happen and when we look at psalm 19 is we can we can see that it's it's great the way that the way that david describes how how wonderfully creation points us to our creator and, and we can look at that, oh, and the scripture is far superior in articulating who God is and 
uh, bringing us in, into God's presence, and we can kind of disparage creation a little bit. And, and, and that's fair, but it's important to see that the heavens do well show us God's power, but they're, they're limited. I want you to look at, um, look at verses uh, 3 through 6 with me. So David writes, there's no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. So it's universal. Everyone has knowledge of God from creation. He writes, their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. And then it's almost like David is getting so wrapped up in this experience of, of creation, this experience of God's uh, beautiful creation, which points to his glory, that it, it, he's showing us, well, this is what happens when we, we, we can experience nature and be so wrapped up in it, but then actually be, because of our sinfulness, d detracted from praising the true God in his son, Jesus. So David goes on, in them, the heavens, he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom, leaving his chamber, and like a strong man, runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them. There's nothing hidden from his heat. David is, is like getting preoccupied with this experience of creation, rather than being directly, uh, this is redundant, directly directed to experiencing God himself. Look at verses 1 to 6. What do we learn from the, the proclamation of nature? We learn that God is glorious. What else? N from, from Psalm 19, not much else, right? It's like we learn about the glory of God because of this wonderful creation. It's, it's, and it's like a sun that, that, like a bridegroom comes, like we're getting preoccupied over here with all uh the microphone excuse me with the uh with the with the beauty of creation this is what happens to us we who are now sinful after the fall we can get wrapped up in the beauty of creation to such a degree that we might worship creation again please don't hear me disparaging or talking poorly of the way that god reveals himself in nature that is wonderful authoritative important it reveals uh, who he is in a limited scope but we can get so preoccupied because we're sinners with the beauty of creation and miss the creator himself this is actually what happens in matthew chapter 17 you don't need to turn there and you can i'm not going to prohibit you uh but this is actually uh phil uh, this is what happens in the transfiguration, right? Jesus goes up on the mountain in Matthew chapter 17, and he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, <clears throat> and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. There's this wonderful experience that we can see, and we're so prone to the, 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 the shiny things that we can get we could do like what Peter said. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's so good that I'm here. If you wish, I'll make three tents here. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. We can get so dis distracted with the things that we see, even the transfiguration of Jesus, and think, you know what? It's a good thing I'm here, because now I can help you, Jesus. The one who doesn't need our help, right? The one we can, 
but that's the that's the that's what our broken sinful hearts can do with the revelation of god in nature is it can actually become a distraction for us the good news is that jesus is proclaimed so clearly and so well in the scriptures in the in that special revelation of god that when we see things like the sun which which is absolutely glorious uh i, I saw uh, a picture the other day like in, in the scope of the, the 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 size of the sun in comparison with the the other planets it's just it's amazing right i can you know barely cook dinner you know i can't make the sun right god is indescribably powerful right but jesus is revealed so clearly in his word as infinitely greater than the sun in john chapter 1 john uh verses 9 and following whereas whereas we can get distracted with the beauty of creation and even slip into self-worship or the worship of nature John writes in chapter 1, verse 9, the true light. We, we're drawn to shiny things. We're drawn to the light. But John writes, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. This is how foolish we can be. We can take the, the beauty of the sun and then end up worshiping it rather than the creator, as Paul said. Uh, John goes on, He came to His own, and His own people did not receive Him. But to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become the children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. I think that the challenge that we have in receiving God's revelation of himself in 2024 is spend a little more time enjoying what he has shown us in creation and be wowed by his creative power his wisdom his goodness that he he gives rain on on the crops of the just and the unjust he's good and we take our encouragement of his goodness and of his wisdom and of his power from creation but because we are sinful, because we're prone to worship the creation rather than the creator, we need God's word. So in Psalm 19, verses 7 and following, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. We, we'll continue on here, but one of the things that can, that can happen is you, you might be like me who, uh, when hearing a, a challenge, um, and a challenge to become more faithful, you think, yeah, yeah, I really want that. I, I really need that. And if I have that, God will truly love me. You know, he'll, he'll really bless me when I do those things as opposed to the truth that we're found in Christ, right? Because we are found in Christ, 
We are made whole because of him, not because of what we can do. And, and John, actually, again, in John chapter 5, gives us another caution. Just like we're prone, some of us, some of us are prone to worship the creator, excuse me, the creation, rather than the creator, so also others of us can be prone to search the scriptures to find a salvation other than Christ himself. John writes in chapter 5, verses 39 and 40, he, Jesus says to the Pharisees, I think, I didn't check that, to, to somebody, uh, I, I assume them, uh, you search the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life. And it's they who bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. I can't tell you how often I'll spend time studying for these exams that I've been asking you all to pray for and thank you for doing so. I've been you know, studying for these exams and praying, you know, Lord, make me more intelligent. Help me to know these things just so that I'll feel good about myself, that I'll find worth in them. And that's a salvation that I'm seeking. That if I could quote the whole Westminster Shorter to you, that I, that I would say, you know what, now I'm good enough to be a pastor. Now I'm good enough to, to lead my family. Now I'm good enough to, to plant this church. And even if I could, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be worthy enough to do those things. I wouldn't be worthy enough for God's favor. But it's only in Jesus that I find worth. Again, uh, looking to our Westminster Standards, chapter 16 of good works, chapter 16, verse... Or, <laughs> Chapter 16, section 6, I believe. There's nothing that you could do to make God love you more. Not memorizing the whole Bible, not uh, um, any other really great thing you could do. Loving your family well, planting churches, attending churches, giving to churches, whatever. The, the Westminster Divines wrote for us, Nevertheless, the persons of believers, uh, we are accepted to, uh, uh, by God through Christ. Their good works are also accepted in Him. Your good works, the, the good things that God calls you to do, do them, but do them because you are found in Jesus, the one who loves you well. And know that they are accepted by God because you, they're done in Him. Not as though they were in this life wholly unblameable and unre, unreprovable, perfect in, or in God's sight, but that He, when, when you do those good things for God, when you pick up the Scriptures this year and read them, know that you are doing that as one who is in Christ. Like, think about like you're inside of Him. You know those... I, don't, I remember these cartoons, they did this frequently, where there's like, um, remember Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Brain is inside of that big thing, right? It's kind of like, thanks Sarah, it's kind of like that, right? You are in Christ, and so for, when God looks at you, he has to see Jesus first, and he sees you through Jesus. And so whenever you do those good things this year, like reading your Bible, like, like picking up your Bible when you've not read it for a month, Right? Because, hey, we get there, right? Looking upon those good works in His Son, 
he is pleased. He is pleased to accept and reward that which is sincere. Although accompanied with many weaknesses and imperfections. Oh my gosh, this is fantastic. Looking upon them in his son, he's pleased. God, if you are in Christ, if you're trusting in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, God is pleased with you. I need to hear that every moment of the day because literally countless times today I've tried to comfort myself with oh God will God will because I've studied God will help me with my sermon today or you know I if I if I just if I just study more I'll be good enough. Not like it, the sermon's going to be fine or not. I mean, what, it matters, absolutely. But like in the grand scheme of things, I need to trust that God loves me. That God looks at me and sees the perfect righteousness of Jesus and so loves and, and pours out his, 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 his affection on me and rewards because of Jesus. Because he did it for me. And we're told these things in Psalm 19, do you desire perfection? Some of us do, some of us don't. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. I think one of the things that we get off so, so easily, so badly, is these desiring other things. Right, look at verse 10 with me. David writes, More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. David was, was no poor king. The, 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 the temptations that David experienced, I'm sure, as being uh, with, with riches was great, but David is able to say, Your word is, O oh Lord, is better than gold, even much fine gold. I get off so frequently in, in wanting to, to ensure that I have enough money, that we're going to be able to provide for our kids, that we're going to have these things. But do am I concerned with giving them something that is more to be desired than gold? even much fine gold. If you offered me much fine gold or my kids know and love Jesus, I know we know the right answer to that. But we often, I often, choose to put my eggs, my emphasis on much fine gold right? I want those things. I, because it means I'm a good dad, right? It means I can finally stop the self-loathing for not being good enough. It, but it doesn't work. It falls flat. Only the righteousness of Jesus uh, given to me, seen by the Father as myself, a good father, only that will satisfy
verses 12 to 14. David writes, who can discern his errors? Whenever, whenever we do the, uh, the, the prayer of silent confession, does this hit you like it hits me? I find myself sometimes saying just the same old thing, you know, in part because it's, I keep committing the same old sin, right? So I have to keep confessing the same old thing. But do you find it difficult sometimes to discern your errors? And, and this, this word errors is kind of like the, the stumbling. It's actually, um, uh, it, it's, it's answered, it's provided for in verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul, right? We, we get off so quickly, but the law of the Lord is perfect. It's straightening, it's whole. It's directing. So how do we discern our errors? By measuring ourselves against the word of God, right? And once we do that, we'll find, yeah, I, 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 have, a lot, I have a lot to fix. I have, and we need the Lord to declare us innocent from hidden faults. Verse 13, keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgressions. You know, there's only one person who didn't have to say those words. Declare me innocent from hidden faults. It's Jesus. And Jesus has given his perfect life of obedience to you. He gave his perfect death in your place for your forgiveness so that you might be able to come to God, a holy God who would never let you or me into his presence without the perfect mediator, Jesus. He gave his righteousness to you, his perfect obedience, his perfect death for you so that you and I might be able to come to God and say, God, would you keep me back from presumptuous sins let them not have dominion over me this this presumptuous sins here this uh, jeremiah uses this word uh in jeremiah 43 2 uh another psalm psalm 86 uses this word isaiah 13 this presumptuous sins and I'll, i'll be closing with this this presumptuous sins Uh, these presumptuous sins mark those who have access to God's word but choose to say, nah, I don't really need that. No, that's not really for me. I I like the revelation that I get in nature. I don't really need God's word. And this also often marks religious leaders. We who think I've got it memorized, I'm good. But keep us back from presumptuous sins that they may not have dominion over me. Only the shed blood of Jesus for you can give you the hope that you need to take up God's word in 2024 and allow it to revive your soul, 
to make you, you and I, who are simple, foolish, to make us wise. To rejoice our hearts. To enlighten our eyes. To give us fine spiritual gold and drippings from the honeycomb. So Lord, we pray that as we come into 2024, we would not look to our own strength and discipline to read your word in 2024. Lord, not look to our own strength, our own worthiness to come and, and pray, to ask for help. No, Lord, we only come because we are found in your Son, Jesus. And if we are not, Lord, we ask that this morning you would use your word, your comfort, your, your grace, and, and also, Lord, the, the glory, of, uh, your glory that we see in creation to humble us, not distract us. You don't distract us, Lord, by no means, but Lord, that our hearts distract ourselves. But Lord, we ask that you would show us these great things in nature and in your word that we might trust you. Today, this week, this month, this year, this life, we look to you, God, and we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.